to the Ordinary Church Podcast. I'm Winston Weber, and today we are coming to you from a conference room deep in the basement of the Master Seminary while we are attending the Shepherds Conference being held at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. The Shepherds Conference theme this year is faithful, faithfulness in ministry in Christ's church. And so this is a perfect topic for the Ordinary Church Podcast. We will be discussing the topic of equipping faithful leaders in the local church, especially elders and deacons. My faithful pastor, Mike Shera, is with me as usual. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Winston. Well, the calling of being faithful leaders, especially elders in the local church, is so crucial, isn't it? Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So we know how crucial this calling is. And I'm very excited today, Winston, because we have a very special guest with us. Yes, we do. Um, a person whose ministry has had a dramatic influence, uh, lasting impact on the leadership of Grace Church of Orange. And our guest today is Mr. Alexander Strock, and he is the author of many books, including Biblical Eldership, which is the classic gold standard on biblical eldership. He's also written books like Men and Women Equal Yet Different, as well as Paul's Vision for the Deacons, Assisting the Elders with the Care of God's Church. And I love the tagline. I always, Whenever I say Paul's Vision for the Deacons and I tell someone about his book, I always say, Assisting the Elders in the Care of God's Church. And collectively, his books have been translated into over 40 languages. And he has taught the Bible, helped thousands of people around the world develop biblical leadership. His, his ministry has definitely impacted my life in ministry. And I want to say a few things personally that Alex wouldn't remember. But of course, I remember these kind of things. Um, the Bible church I served for almost 15 years prior to coming to Grace Church used his biblical eldership book to equip elders. And I think that was the first time I really came across Alex's book. And at Grace Church, we use biblical eldership to equip our elders. And we've been using his other books as I've discovered them, and uh, books like the ones for equipping deacons, as well as running effective meetings and so on, and his online resources. And I've been able to even encourage other churches to use those, those resources as well. Uh, providentially, personally for my life, I met him on two separate occasions. Of course, he wouldn't remember, but I'm going to remember these things, when two of our kids were taking their college visits at the Master's University. So it was two years apart. The first was eight years ago, and then two years later. And so our daughter, Alexandra, our oldest, was taking her college visit, and Alex just happened to be speaking at chapel that day. So of course, I make a beeline. The dad makes a beeline up to him after chapel and talks him up a bit and tells him, how much I appreciated his books and, and thank you for his ministry. And then two years later, we're there with our son, Michael, and he's doing his college visit. And who is speaking at chapel that day but Alexander Strzok. And so this time I have my whole family with me and we took pictures and uh, I got reunited with who I thought was a friend. But of course, he was meeting me for the first time, I'm sure, because who am I, right? So at Grace Church, we've equipped many pastors and elders as well as deacons with Alex's resources. And recently we took our elders, and, and you remember this, took our elders and staff and deacons through Paul's vision for the deacons, assisting the elders in the care of God's church. I want to say a couple more things before we bring Alex on. Significantly, he has faithfully served in leadership and teaching at Littleton Bible Church near Denver, Colorado for 50 years. Now, this is apropos since we are at the Shepherds Conference at Grace Community Church, where they are celebrating 50 years of Dr. John MacArthur's faithful ministry. And so we are literally surrounded by godly, faithful men. 
Alexander, thank you for your faithful ministry. I've been encouraged personally by your kindness and encouragement, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, Mike, I have to correct you. I do remember you. I do remember meeting your family, and uh, I know I'm losing my hair, but I'm not losing my mind yet. (laughs) All righty. Well, let's get into it then, Alex. We didn't bring you here just to, you know, tell you how much we love your books. We do love your books. Uh, But we wanted to ask you some specific questions, and it is a privilege and honor to have you here today to answer those. Um, First, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, starting from when you were saved and leading you to where you are now in ministry. Yes. Well, I was not raised in a Christian home. And um, when I was 11 years of age, I was invited by a friend to a camp. And my only purpose for going was fishing, because at that time in my life, uh, we lived in a place where we could fish every day and fall in the water every day, get wet every day. My poor mother would say, how come you get come home wet every day? So when I heard I could go to this camp to go fishing in New York State, I said, I'm going. Little did I know they were fishing for me. And it was a Bible camp. And it's the first time I ever heard the gospel. I responded immediately. I knew it was true the first time I heard it. So I was saved there. And every summer until I was 20 years of age, I worked at the camp. In those days, you could be there all summer. I mean, two solid months. You didn't come home on the weekends. And uh, it was a wonderful experience under great leaders just serving all summer, keeping us off the streets, uh, keeping us out of trouble. And uh, during those years, I felt very strongly that I wanted to serve the Lord. It didn't matter how I did it. I just was going to serve the Lord with my whole life, however the Lord led. I thought I would be a missionary, but I didn't didn't turn out that way. So uh, I went to um, a Bible school. I went to Colorado Christian University and then Denver Seminary. And um, But all those years, I've been involved in the local church. A local church is my life. That's fantastic. So First, I want to ask you the question, since you've literally written the book on it, why are elders and deacons so important to the life of a local church? Well, a real simple reason is the Lord has called us to have such people. Church has to have leadership. And I think we need to realize that the Bible emphasizes in most extraordinary way the problem of sin, human failure. As Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, I believe the Lord loves his church and he set up a a structure of governance and of care that requires accountability. In a sinful world, you must have accountability. And we've seen so many failures of our Christian leaders. And I believe one reason is they're out there alone and they're on their own. Pride gets us or many other temptations. So I think God has given us the plurality of elders, godly men, who are qualified, that's the key word, they're qualified biblically, and notice the strong emphasis on character. Character leadership is what the Lord is calling for. Alex, tell us how you came about to write your book, Biblical Eldership. Well, I never set out to write a book. Uh, That was uh, inconceivable to me. But I'd given some lectures in our church on the doctrine of the church, ecclesiology, and I'd given some talks on eldership, and people said, You've got to put that in print. There's nothing in print. So I started looking around, and and this was in the very, uh, no, this is mid-70s, mid-70s. I started looking for books. The only things I could find at that time were basically denominational books that were just uh, telling you what the denomination believed. Somehow, by the grace of the Lord, I, 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 I felt... Well, no one else has done it. I I can't fail. I mean, if I did fail, I'd just get rid of it. And uh, 
right from the very beginning, I knew I was going to make it a Bible exposition. I was just going to take people through every verse. I was going to keep myself out of it. So you can't identify me or what church I go to. Keep my ideas out of it. And if the word doesn't uh, convince people, who am I to convince people? That's one of the things I love the most about that book. And I've told people over and over, this is a handbook on biblical eldership, and it takes you through the Bible on what the Bible says about biblical eldership. That's right. In fact, all my books are biblical expositions. And uh, so I think that's what's made it uh, so successful. We never dreamed it would ever do what it has done today. You know, we're actually in over 40 languages, all our books. And uh, the biblical eldership has sold almost 250,000 copies. When Zondervan looked at it many, many years ago, they said, no, this will max out at 15,000 copies. So it surprised all of us. The key, I do believe the key is that I made it a Bible exposition. There's lots of books out there on church growth and church life. Mm -hmm. But if you look carefully, it's just personal opinion, preference. So I try to stay out of that area. In fact, when I'm writing, I always judge myself. Am I just saying that? Do I have any proof for that? I'm a person that likes proof, evidence. If you can show me the evidence, I'll go with it. I appreciate in your new book on deacons what you did with the treatment even of the women in in verse 8. Yes. The women. Because in your first book on deacons, you had one view. And then you broadened that to explain some of the other views this time around. Yes. In fact, uh, Mike... You may not know this, but I have a 35-page paper online free because I did not want to put 35 pages in this (laughs) poor book because people do not like big books. So I gave a summary, but online you can go and see a full explanation of all the different views. There's five different views. I've read that. Yes. Good stuff. Of course you have. One of the questions I want to know is what should churches look for as they seek to identify people for leadership positions and what should they look out for? Well, Actually, the elders should always be looking out for potential leadership. Always. That's part of shepherding. Shepherding uh, deals with the future of the church. You have no future if you don't have future leaders because things are changing all the time. So anyway, we're always looking for solid families, solid people that come into our church. And uh, we as elders will talk about them. And so we see a solid Christian family. Uh, They love the Lord. They want to be in the church. They want to be there. They want to serve. So... We get a hold of them right away, uh, get to know them and be with them, have them over for dinner. And then we start pointing them into areas we think they can serve. And that's sort of the test. Put them in the youth group or Sunday school or uh, different areas of uh, ministry in the local church. And uh, we'll, as a group of elders, always be talking about those people. Yes, this brother's really developing. Then we'll give them some key books to read. One of the big things I do is spend some time with people, take a lot of lunches with people. I'm here with three or four guys right now. Um, and just being with us all together this time is just great fellowship. But it, they don't know it, but they're being discipled. They're being trained. Mm-hmm. Now, we do have a, a, f- a formal course, but really the real training goes in the informal as you go out and visits together. Every Wednesday night I visit and I take someone with me. Mm-hmm usually the same people, so they have, they get to learn. And uh, after a while, I, I let them handle the whole visit, whether it's hospital or home or whatever. I'm just with them. So uh, a lot of it is informal, being with people. Uh, more is caught than taught. They watch you. They pick up things that are almost intangible. You know, you can't read in a book. So uh, we're just always doing it. It's just sort of the natural life we're living. Now that I'm not an elder anymore, that I spend a lot of time doing that. And then what are some of the things that 
elders, leadership, all of them should be looking out for just any sort of warning signs for those who would cause up controversy or division in a church. Well, yes. You uh, remember one of the major jobs of the shepherds is to protect. In fact, most of the verses in the New Testament are about protection. And uh, we know we, we, we sometimes underestimate Ephesians 6. Uh, we're in a warfare. It's And it's worse than we think. And we know that Satan, Paul says in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, we are not ignorant of his devices. He's cunning. He's a deceiver. He is sending people into our church to cause division. And I would have to say as a group of elders, when we see these people, which we saw just in the last year, this man came into our church visiting, smiling, has advanced theological degrees, but we notice he's always in controversy always in controversy. Mm. So we talked to him very, very strongly that we were not allowed allow this. And he left. Mm. We protected the church. That's well what done. usually happens too, isn't it? Oh, yes. They leave. When you identify them, they, they catch on. They're looking for weak churches. Mm -hmm. They don't know this themselves. Weak churches where they can take over. That's right. Show off. Mm -hmm. I know everything. <laughs> so Alex, on this same vein and in the same context, What's the most common mistake you're seeing churches make as they're seeking to identify and equip new leaders? Well, I think the big mistake is that they're bringing men on too quickly onto the eldership. So here's the key. I'm going to tell you the key to it now. All right. Are you listening carefully? We're with All you. All right. Listen, the key is no one comes on the eldership or the deaconship that has not been trained by you and you know their doctrine, you know their life. Mm -hmm. I hear this all the time. Really, many churches are bringing unqualified, unfit right. men. And then they wonder, huh, wonder why we have so what many problems. <laughs> so training, 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 mm -hmm. equipping, equipping, equipping. And we uh, are talking about equipping. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, we who have the gifts of teaching, we are to be equipping, equipping. Now, there's a church here. I won't mention the name of the church. But when you walk into the main sanctuary, over the main sanctuary, there's a huge gold letters, and it says, for the equipping of the saints. <laughs> so when the people come in every Sunday into the auditorium, it's for the equipping of the saints. <laughs> We're equipping everyone because they've got to serve with some intelligence right. and be doctrinally sound. But if we want our leaders... They have to be trained by us. Every elder we have, we know who we have. We know who he is. He sat with the elders a year or two. What about leaders who have led for a long time? Can, can, you, can you learn anything new if you've been an elder or a deacon or a leader in the church for a long time? I think the longer you have served, you're learning more. Knowledge is like building blocks. The more you learn, the higher you get and the higher you see you need to go. So I would say this. I'm learning more now today than I was learning 10 years ago. My learning curve is, is getting greater and greater, even though I'm 74 years of age. My reading of the Bible is much greater than it was 10 years ago. Praise God. And my thirst for knowledge, my, my correcting my own beliefs. Um, so learning is something that should continue and become greater. The sponge should be deeper and, and more absorbent than when you were younger. All right. I love that. <laughs> Is there any other, like, just on a broad level on shepherding, eldership, that you'd like to impart to us? Yes. Here's what I'd like to impart to you. Our, our society is being secularized so rapidly that it's shocking. It's, it's, it's beyond what any of us have thought, where we've come in five years, ten years. Mm. Our society is so anti-Christ, anti-Bible. 
we may be illegal people in 20 years. It's already mm-hmm. true in certain parts of the world today. Right. We've got to be warning our people, especially our young people, they're being secularized. They know more about the stars of Hollywood than they know about the patriarchs of the Bible. We've got to help our churches with these with hyper-busyness. People have no time for God, no time for the Bible. This is a big book. I'm looking at, see the Bible? I'm showing it mm-hmm. to you. It's oh, a big yes. book. They need to know this book. That's right. They have no time. You know what that is? That's called idolatry. When you have no time for God, when you're so busy. So I would say this to uh, you brothers. You need to consistently and continually present to the congregation the war we're in. Give them practical helps. How do you handle hyper busyness? Everywhere I go, I hear this. I'm so busy. That's why we can't find elders. Uh, They're so busy. Their wives won't let them serve because they're frightened. So as leaders, you've got to be addressing this. You've got to challenge people to fight back, turn that TV off, control the, those uh, phone devices which are destroying our young children. Yeah. We're fighting it all the time with our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So we've got to come up with a strategy for this secularized society. You're going to find harder and harder to find elders, uh, find leaders in the future because they've all been ruined by a, a debased society. Mm. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, we, we should do like a three-hour program and just hang out with Alex all day long. I could do this. I Seriously, Alex, you're the kind of guy I would just want to sit here and talk to you all day long. And for those listening in, I just want to say our makeshift studio here in uh, in the basement at the Master's Seminary, they were gracious to give us this room today. It's actually a really nice room, but we've got two of our pastor elders from Grace Church sitting in, listening, and one, I, I have him in eye shot, and the other is behind uh, the, uh, what's that called, sound baffling? Sure. And so, I, seriously, I, I keep thinking, I keep making eye contact with Randy, and I'm, I'm waving at Brian over the baffling, because I'm like, amen, amen, amen. So, Alex, uh, tell us a little bit more about your School of the Shepherds. School of the Shepherds is an online program. The, the videos are only 15 minutes long. Then you answer questions and discuss, and then you see the next video. The world has changed. People are not reading today. This is a very uh, a true fact. Everyone knows this, secular people as well as Christian people. Uh, people, uh, younger people, the younger generation likes going online and learning. And uh, so this is a way, another way of developing our elders within the church. It's very, very flexible. It can go any place in the world and go to China. It can go to Africa, India. And um, we're going to continue to work on this School of the Shepherds for developing. Many churches don't know how to develop their leaders. They just simply don't know. So this would help a local church that has not a clue, how would we develop our leaders? So this is kind of just a, a personal question for me. I I want to help kids get away. I, I'm a, I am involved in the youth program at yes. our church, and I want to help kids get away from their phones. And I mean, the world belongs to those who read. So right. is there any advice you can give me as struggling <laughs> youth leader on how to better equip kids how to read and teach them the importance of it. Well, let me just say this to you. We got to get them at that age. The age you're working at, you're not a babysitter. That's right. If if you don't get this to them, you'll lose them by mid-20s. Mm. It's when they go to college, we lose them. And that's a, a statistical fact. That's why I became a youth leader, actually. That's right. Listen, that's even developing same. elders and leaders, you start when they're teens, before they start making life decisions. You don't start in their 30s and 40s. So you're on the target right now. And you know what? You've got to give them strategies. You've got to give them strategies. 
how are you going to control? This is very addictive, this phone. Also, pornography is destroying our youth and is destroying future leaders. You've got to be real blunt about this. Meet with people personally. There's good books out there. There's, there's online courses. Be aggressive. Be deliberate. Talk to them face-to-face and just say, we're going to help you. If you don't do this, here's what I like to say to teens, and I love talking to teens. There's a battle for your soul. Over here is Jesus Christ calling you. Over here is Satan, and he's got the prince of the power of the air. He's got the the influence, and you're the target. And we're going to help you not to be eaten up by the evil one, the tempter. Uh, We want you to follow Christ, and it's the only way to live. So be deliberate. Give them strategies. Talk directly to them. Mm, Thank you. Alex, what are some upcoming books or projects you're currently working on? As well, well uh, believe it or not, there is no full-length book on Paul's final farewell to the Ephesian elders, a long passage mm-hmm. of Scripture. You can find lots of books on clericalism or pastoral work. This is, this is God's pastoral manual. There's nothing written on it mm. uh, from a pastoral view. There's scholarly things written on it, which you would never want to read. Unless, of course, you have insomnia (laughs) and you need to uh, go to sleep. So it's a very exciting project. I actually have the book together, but I'll take the next two years to take my time going through it. A lot in there. A lot in there. We're looking forward to seeing that and reading it and digesting it. Well, listen, you're my representative in California. You better be. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Did you tell the people that I knighted you? I didn't didn't share that. Did you tell the people that the divine mantle fell upon you? (laughs) I didn't yet. Uh, And I was I was waiting for the right moment. Yeah. Did you see the light when I when I touched your head? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right. It was bright. (laughs) No, no. Listen, I'm not joking now. Uh, We need people like you to help us. Yeah. Well, we're on the same team and we love you, Alex. And we're so thankful that you did this with us today. And it's a huge honor to sit down and just talk about such an important subject. Uh, We love, love, love that you write expositionally. Yes, praise the Lord. It's all based on the book. That's right. uh, I don't really have anything to say. No, we have. <laughs> and if I did have things to say, it'd probably be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what we love: sound theology, expository yeah. preaching, yeah. Um, and you're strengthening yeah. the local yeah. church. The Bible is God's self-revelation. What could we say that compare to God's very words? These are His words. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, and that is why we love everything you do so much. We really oh, appreciate it. Thank the Lord. Thank you so much for coming and spend some time with us. We we really appreciate it. And Mike, thank you for joining us. If all of you listening out there would like to get into contact with us, you can do so by emailing us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. And that's just to ask a question or if you'd like to suggest a topic that you've been dying to know more about, go ahead and hit us up there. Until next time, this is Ordinary Church.